Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. This is our 18th show, and I'm doing it a little earlier in the evening. You know, a lot of news has settled already. There are some big developments. So we can start a little early, and I'll add on the end what is new and pertinent, but there's so much. We have plenty to entertain you, I hope. One of the things that I'll try and bring up is the uh, recent revealing of a Pennsylvania sex abuse in the uh, Catholic Church report that interviewed people that are 70s and 80s years old. So it takes it back 50 years of reports of this abuse that were swept under the rug. And I'd talk a little more about that. And my trip out today to the Homeless Consortium um, here in the city of Lancaster, which is connected to the county group. Please forgive me for not getting their names right. It just changed. I missed the meeting yesterday. I just didn't know. But they came out with some facts and you know, we've been at this a long time, and I'm ready to help some people. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, before we close, the world was touched today by the announcement of the death of Aretha Franklin. And what a, an amazing career and impact this woman had. And I've long been a fan, and there were some... Um, scenes today on TV from the Kennedy Center, and they're the same uh, venue that they put some of the pitch perfect uh, to, I think it was, scenes in the movie with um, Fat Amy splitting her pants and, and the president being there. So that must have been that event, and so I certainly learned something. But the most touching part was Carol King in the audience when Aretha came out to serenade her and how, how she was touched with the musical journey and the tribute to, that her friend paid her, uh, being a co-creator of that song. And my connection with Carol King is that I've always loved her music, but I lost a CD that I had of hers, and I just kept thinking I would find it, the Tapestry CD. And so... Reluctantly, a few years ago, I just went on and bought another one. But um, that was an amazing album. And so it was just an amazing day. And I jumped back in to talk about some more amazing tributes to Aretha. Stephen Colbert had a piece where he showed the entire scene from the Kennedy Center, and he actually hosted that thing back in 2015 when they did the Pitch Perfect and President Obama was there and Aretha sang and 
did the nice thing with Carol King, but then they showed some inauguration footage of Aretha singing, and they panned to the crowd size. And if you doubt who's telling the truth about how big the crowd was, watch that. So with that podcasting magic, let's return to the normal flow. And with some other really critical things. So at the beginning of all of it, I just like to remind myself and you, by way of getting to know how I think a little better, I always expect too much. It's a fault that I think that uh, I always hope that something could be explained or some progress could be made. And uh, I was talking to my boys today, telling them uh, about a group, a church called the uh, Church of Light, used to be in Los Angeles, but it's a hundred-year-old group, and their main maxim was simply to contribute your utmost to the universal welfare. So I believe that wholeheartedly, and I just have to put my feet in the ground and realize we're not going to maybe solve anything, and we might not even agree, but we try, and that's how we can contribute to work through these things and find harmony, or at least a better place. And I'm never uh, unsurprised by rational people whose opinion I sometimes, and I mean often respect, you know, I, there's a lot of news contributors on Fox that uh, say things sometimes that are pretty much in line with how I see it. But today there was a sort of a uh, sad regression. I, you know, names, what do you call these things? The priest abuse in Pennsylvania gone on for 50 years and thousands of victims and the church's responsibility is to protect itself. So everybody's to protect itself. All these groups, all these agencies, all the people that are supposed to be looking out and helping out. And I know they're filled with people who do their best and love the mission and are totally committed to contributing everything they have. It seems sometimes the system is the problem and we're kind of stuck with it. And it's not peculiar. It's kind of funny, strange. I'm not sure I can find the word. But like Mark Wahlberg, he's very involved in his priest and his parish, and they do things together and come, you know, visit the family. And so there may be some of these relationships where the priests in question know nothing about the other covering up of the abuse. It seems hard to believe that. But out of that talk came a uh, point that I thought illustrated best what the problem was with that Jerry Sandusky guy who had a foundation for uh, children at risk. He put them at risk. But um, it's the vulnerable. So Mark came from a home that he wasn't vulnerable and the priest didn't, you know, who, who knows. But But to be totally uninformed about the other side of that and what it really means is kind of crazy. So just to put a pin in it, this business today with the homeless and the county puts out this spreadsheet, you know, uh, talking about the 5,200 people have secured permanent housing, especially through funding from this Measure H to justify it. But I don't know where they're at. I don't know who's actually 
to me that means somebody got an apartment in our area is uh, has a re, you know rental shortage as it is and there's no money and we didn't do anything really for anybody but out of this discussion today I've been aware of this but you know you, you have to really focus in and basically part of the reason for the escalating homeless and the reason to be unable to even stop it is the tide of foster children that when they're 18 years old, they're just put on the street and no one's going to support them anymore any way, any kind, and they just become homeless. And my goodness, yeah. why, with all the money that has spent, why can't we start there? And part of the answer might be that these kids are already damaged and uh, beyond repair. I'm not sure. I don't subscribe to any of that, but I'm just wondering how someone could think that they could just be cast away and prayed not to be a problem. Okay, so why is it so hard to get through to people to make a clean, cogent point that you want them to understand? I I realize that sometimes people don't know what they're doing, well enough at least, but if you want to make a point, you have to stay within certain boundaries of reason. You can't insult people. You can't act visibly hostile and impatient with their inability to get it because that just doesn't aid to the further understanding that could be achieved. It, it just gets in the way. So today we're dealing with what was anticipated, the uh, revoking of the security clearance for former CIA director John Brennan. Now, Jen Brennan is a man who impresses me as being the full package, nothing but integrity and public service minded and willing to protect the country he loves. So Donald Trump has revoked his security clearance so that mainly it means no one from the government can contact him on sensitive matters and uses advice. So that's wrong. But the other thing it does is it removes his ability to retrieve his previous files for testimony that he's going to be called on to make in the future. So he will be a much less prepared witness because he can't get at his files. So if a reasonable person looks at it, If you have John Brennan on one side and Donald Trump on the other, you would just assume that it would be Donald that would be the erratic one that outbursts on media. And these are the things that they, the White House, I don't know, if they're a team of conjurers or they just take dictation. But somehow John Brennan is a threat to national security, and he's trying to profit on his time in government and all these things that just seem to offend the uh, sensibilities of Donald Trump. On the the surface, of course, it's uh, 
again, I be sarcastic. So I'll take John Brennan any day over Donald Trump for integrity. Uh, one of the um, commentators made the point that John Brennan was in the Situation Room with Barack Obama killing Osama bin Laden while Donald Trump was taping and airing of The Apprentice at NBC. So, yeah, uh, that's not really an easy call to flub. And yet, sometime today, I saw three prominent Republican senators, Lindsey Graham included, all realizing that, yeah, John Brennan should be slapped down or, or however they put it. He exceeded his authority when none of that even happened. And that's what I say is uh, one of those things that just makes you wonder what's going on. Uh, one guy said that a senator will take any opportunity to grandstand. So, but these are not things that should be made for sport. So it's just is past my ability uh, to comprehend why they would do that. However, today, retired Navy Admiral William H. McRaven stood in solidarity. The report went with CIA Director Brennan. And he basically, now this is the, this is the Navy commander in charge of U.S. Joint Special Operations Command. Uh, he's retired now, but uh, he oversaw the Navy SEAL raid that took out Osama bin Laden. This man is above reproach. He's a hero and a model for Navy excellence. And he stands with John Brennan and told Trump, go ahead, I'll consider it a badge of honor if you revoke my security clearance too. And that, my friends, is something very telling. I would hope you would read a news article and read his full letter. It is, uh, oh, I don't, you know, <laughs> he whips Trump so bad, it's um, almost sad to watch. But behind all this is the true menacing threat that I think everyone should be concerned about. Now, if Trump, uh, you know, on his uh, on-the-job training, perfects this, uh, and believe me, the report said today that he did not run by this revoking of Brennan's security clearance from his DNI, Director of National Intelligence, Coates, before he did it. So this is the second time this poor guy has been caught off guard with information he should have had first. So this sets up the entire scenario of if he's practicing and can stand the ire of uh, serious people that he should take good advice from and uh, take it to the next level. Conceivably, he could remove Robert Mueller's security clearances and then he wouldn't even able, be able to see the information he needs to prosecute the case against Donald Trump. Wow. I mean, really, think about that. That's, that's a really big wow. And 
it puts our nation at, at such great risk. You know, the truth is being degraded, and we have to stand up for it. Some things are what they are. And in the last portion, I'm going to get a little more into that. But for now, let's just remember we're all in this together. I think it was Eugene McCarthy who said that the only thing that saves us from the bureaucracy is its inefficiency. And I get that. Unless, of course, you need to be rescued and you're not. That's a bad one. There's a couple other things where, um, you know, a bureaucracy only marginally serves you, but it's good enough. I mean, you can drink the water that comes out of your faucet, unlike Flint, Michigan. Uh, what a what a crazy thing that is. And it's not even fixed, and no one's talking about doing it. Kind of makes you just go, what? That's the wood I speak of, the world unraveling dissociative disorder. And some of these things are just a matter of priority. I mean, somewhere in that state budget or the federal aid or something... They got to be able to find a way to fix the water. Give me a break. So that's what we need. We need common sense and a good path forward. So have we just failed or have we just begun to not fail? Can we look at these things? Twice this week at meetings, I was very downhearted, if that's a word, if not trademark. And um, good people go out and they have to deliver bad news or recite uh, past failures when they're going about trying to solve these same problems that have never been able to be fixed. And so this homeless today, my goodness, they keep putting out nice flyers and PowerPoint presentations. and But I would think they would be more eager to broadcast the actual success. Show me that guy in an apartment going, wow, this is really nice. It's just a studio, but I can build a life here and even have a friend over to watch a football game. So I think, you know, I, I, I well... I've lived uh, a homeless life when I was very young. I've discussed that. And uh, to get a room in the YMCA that had its own bathroom, you know, not a, a sink and a toilet, not a shower or anything. But that was, that was great. My God, that was my space. It doesn't take much space. So some of these things seem so, so easy. But I, I also talked about uh, the young people being unredeemable or not the best prospects because, my goodness, even kids raised at home with good families, very few of them turn out, well, to please their parents, so they might think. Uh, who knows who thinks what? You know, I just know that young people have to pursue a life and they need support. And 
why it's a it's a cut to ourselves if we can't find a way to help young people re- release from foster care and and help them start a life this is it's so hard for me to understand the degrading of truth that's it's like maybe we have to simply accept how much uh, worse things are getting and the only way to do that is to absorb more and more pain and more and more realization and I can imagine what it would be like to live out here in the desert but I know there's thousands of people that do and there's millions of dollars trying to solve it but somehow it's just it's just not coming together to help in a way that I would hope it could so as we wait to see a verdict in the near future in the Manafort trial and all these other things unfold I want us to think about Aretha and be lifted up she upholds us it is an incredible life and a privilege to have had her in our lives and part of the um, proof of truth was from that uh, New York City video I said that had President Obama in it and Carol King and that event that they put Pitch Perfect in. And so um, in these cuts, they showed also some inaugural footage and they show the crowd size behind the presentation stand and it looked much, much fuller than was populated for the Trump inauguration. And when we can see the truth and we can see that love brings out truth and hope brings out truth, then we know how we can continue to do our best to fight this scourge of making things into what they're not, calling them fake, degrading people, and just harming the reputation of our country and how we all feel about it. Let's just not let that happen. Let's have some respect for each other. And foremost, for yourself. (laughs) 